Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Amen. Super. Okay, so we are going to conclude our identity series today. You've made it seven weeks uh, through the book of 1 Corinthians. And essentially, what Paul's going to do in chapters 9 and 10 is he sums up what he's been talking about individually and also as a church. And he commissions people a little bit to go out and do some things um, with this identity that they have. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about who we are and then a little bit about who we're called to be as a church. Okay? So I've called this talk Identity and the Pursuit of Christ because essentially that's where our identity is. It's not a static thing. It's not something that happened to us. It's a journey that we're on and a relationship that we're part of. Okay? And hopefully that's come out over the series. But just kind of keep that idea in your head as we go. Also, I will explain the climbing harness in about five minutes. So if you're concerned, um, that's why. It's not just my trousers are falling down. Um, Probably not what you were thinking, to be fair. So there are four aspects of who we are as Christians that Paul comes back to in chapter nine that I'd like to look at. And they are that we are free. Okay. We are free. We are disciplined. We are tempted and we are sent. Okay, those are the four things. Free, disciplined, tempted, and sent. Our first bit of scripture uh, is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. Though I am free, says Paul, and I belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, following the Old Testament, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, people who didn't have the Old Testament as their holy book, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law. Actually, I am under Christ's law because I wanted to win those who weren't having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become, says Paul, all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. Okay. So Paul starts off with this idea that we are completely free, and it's a radical concept, okay? This idea that actually, since Jesus did everything you need to do to be a moral person, and did everything you need to do to have a relationship with God, then you can literally choose to do whatever you want, okay? You are God's child and in his family, and therefore, you are completely free. Now, We talked about that right at the beginning. We've come back to that through this series. That's actually quite a radical thing to say to somebody, is that I love you freely and regardless of what you do. But what Paul says is that we're free, but that freedom is for, not for ourselves. It's not for our personal gain. Paul actually says he makes himself a slave to everyone to win them. Now, I think what he does then is he kind of has these different groups of people that he goes among. There's Jews and there's people who aren't Jewish. There's people who are weak and struggling. And what we could kind of be forgiven for thinking is that what Paul's doing is pretending to be something he's not. Okay, so he's like, well, I see these group of people over here. They act like this and they dress like this. And so I'm going to do the Christian thing and pretend to be something I'm not and make friends with them and, and draw them into church okay, by, by kind of devious means, all right? That's not, that's not quite the story. Is Paul Jewish? Was he a Jew? Yeah, he was, okay. Um, was he also not under the law and under Christ instead because he was a Christian? Yes, he was. Was Paul weak? 
Yeah, he, he actually talks about it all. He talks about his weakness all the time in almost all of his letters. So what Paul's doing is he's not, he's not pretending to be something he's not. He's taking different aspects of who he is, different things that are true about him, and then help using those to walk into situations where he's with groups of people and help those, them, them know him, feel known by him, love him, and then introduce them to Jesus by doing that. Do you see the difference? So with Jewish people, he's saying, I get you, I understand you, I know where you're coming from. This is what God's done in me. Would you like to find out more? He's doing the same with people who aren't Jewish. Would you like to find out more? This is, I, I connect with you, I read your poems, I, I know you, you know me, let's, let's listen, let's talk. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's what he does. He uses his freedom from, he doesn't have like a brand. He hasn't built up a static kind of identity that he needs to bring to whatever group he's going to, and he needs them all to take him seriously and know who he is. He's, taking, he's going into different places and groups of people and saying, this is who Jesus is, because his identity is somewhere different to that. So that's what he'd like us to do. He'd like us to do the same as individuals and as a church, to go into all the different groups of people that we connect with, our colleagues, our friends, our neighbours, our families, and say, I love you, I know you, Let, let's talk, let's understand, let's get to know one another, let's, let's share our commonness, and then also, let's bring you into Jesus, let's tell you a little bit about who Jesus is, and connect you with him. It's a bit like a rescue mission, okay? And this is where my climbing harness comes in, because if you are on a rescue mission, okay, you are free to choose the right way to help that person, because the point is helping the person, right? You're not there to look cool, because you don't, um, you're there to help the person, aren't you? And, and bring them out of whatever dangerous situation they're in. Okay, you're, there for, you're a slave for them, you're there for them. But you need to be really disciplined and trained and clipped in safely, don't you? Okay, have I got that in the right place, Steve? Yeah, I, this isn't mine, just so you know. This is a, someone else. <laughs> um, we need to be disciplined. That's why, so Paul talks about freedom and then immediately he talks about us being disciplined as well. Uh, chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer just beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. So I, I'm, if you know me, I'm not a runner. Some of you are. Some of you have trained, trained for the half marathon recently and run things. Some of you have been running the 5K. Some of you are nodding wearily at me because it wasn't that long ago and you're still quite tired. If you're training to do something or if you're in, in a kind of rescue party and you need to be really fit and healthy... You can't go a couple of weeks without bothering to train at all, can you? And just eating pizza on the sofa, okay, like some pastors you might know well. You can't do that. You can't just go, oh, it'll be fine. I'm free. Like, I'm forgiven. It's okay. Because it's not going to be okay when you're dangling on the rope out of the helicopter and you're not strong enough to do your job. It's not going to be okay. If you're, half, you're five, five miles in and you start passing out, it's not going to be okay. Actually, to achieve something like that takes work and effort and discipline, doesn't it? We know that, whatever it is that we do. And actually, our spiritual life is just the same. 
So we're sent out with the love of Jesus, with this identity we have, into groups of people that we meet to tell them about Jesus. And it's a rescue mission. So we better make sure that we are really strongly clipped into Jesus and who he really is and how much he loves us, okay? Because if we're not, we're not going to be able to fulfill that mission really well. And that's what Paul is saying. So how do we clip tightly into Jesus? How do we stay disciplined? Well, prayer. Bible reading, coming to church. You're, you're all do it. You've all ticked a box this morning, by the way, if you're worried about that. Well done. Good job. Coming to church, coming to small group, and being honest as much as you can in those situations, finding people to actually share life with. There's no point just turning up as there and ticking a box and going home, actually. There's things like serving on a team, giving our money, telling people about Jesus, that sort of stuff. There's all these things that just connect us with God. There's no... Um, it is our identity, but it's like a relationship. Actually, I could say I'm married to Jeff, but if I haven't talked to him in a month, like that might not be going very well. I actually need to, need to spend time with God, need to get to know him, need to keep myself in his word and, and in prayer and doing the things that connect me really strongly with him so that when I'm on my rescue mission, I'm strong and I'm safe. Um, sometimes that might mean choosing our, really, our life choices really well as well, because we are also free, disciplined, and tempted. It's the third thing that Paul talks about. He talks about a little bit of a history from the life, um, a sequence from the history of Israel. And then he talks in 1 Corinthians 10, he talks about temptation. I'll read that next. So if you think you are standing firm, says Paul, be careful that you don't fall, okay? If you're not connected, tied on tightly, then actually you might get hurt. Your faith might struggle. But no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to mankind. God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. The worst place to be as a Christian is thinking you're infallible, like you can't get anything wrong and you're just going to be absolutely fine with God regardless of what you do and that you're not tempted at all. Okay, We're all tempted. We we'll all have desires for things that aren't good for us. We all want to go off in the wrong direction most of the time, okay? Many of us, like, this morning already, okay? Some of the stuff we've been talking about in this series has been about desire, hasn't it, and temptation. And it's really good to restate that none of those things are sins. So whatever it is that you want but probably know that you shouldn't have, whether that's like a sexual thing, whether that's a power thing, whether it's money or space, whether it's whatever it is, whether it's just a temptation to despair and worry, like actually those, those temptations are not sin. Those desires are not sin. Our next choice and the choices that come after that, they might be the things that start to make our connection to Jesus a little bit more ropey. They're the things that might start making our, um, our faith a little bit more more, um, like, a little bit less strong, okay? And I think it's really interesting that what Paul says is that he, he beats his body up like it's a slave, which means, essentially, that he doesn't serve his desires, his desires serve him. So he takes the things that he loves and that he wants and he's good at, and he, he says, okay, it's there, it's not a sin, but I'm going to put that aside because what I'm doing is following Jesus and being really deeply connected to him. So I don't know what that means for you. Essentially, for, for me, I can, I can notice when I've gone a little bit off track, um, usually by my browsing history. 
So for me, it's often discontent, which ends up being greed, if I'm honest. So if I've looked at lots of Rightmove, lots of Shopify, lots of Pinterest, and I start to feel like all my clothes are wrong, and all my house is wrong, and all my stuff is wrong, and I must go and buy new things, then I, then I realise, mm, I need to start, because for me, that's just part of one of the things that, one of the temptations that I have is this kind of discomfort that leads to greediness and wanting more stuff. So that's just, just for me, that's a really helpful um, little barometer of where I'm at with Jesus at the moment. Something might be different for you. So we are tempted, disciplined, free. We are also sent. Okay, and this is where we're going to land for the rest of our little time together. 1 Corinthians 10.33, Paul says, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, that they may be saved. Okay, and this is what I mean about being on this rescue mission with the groups of people that we get to interact with around us. We are sent to our neighbours and our families and our friends and our colleagues and our housemates. That's who we're sent to. We're given this connection to Jesus, not for us just to feel safe and not for us to build a nice place to come on a Sunday where we can have breakfast and sing and pray and, and have a nice spiritual connection with God. Those are great. and We really want to have that. But it's for fueling us for Monday to Saturday. It's for fueling us for a mission where we get to go and love people and look after them and connect with them and get to know them and then share a little bit of who Jesus is and hopefully offer them the same kind of freedom and relationship that we have. So that's us as individuals. And we could finish there, couldn't we? That was great. We've just talked about our identity as individual Christians. Isn't it wonderful? We're free, we're disciplined, tempted, sent. That's great, that's who we are. Paul doesn't finish there, actually. Now, Paul cares about us very much, and God really cares about us as individual people very, very much. But what Paul does, and I think what we want to do, just as he comes to the end of this section of his letter, is that he kind of pans out again, and he looks at the whole church, the people of God. And we call this series Identity Relationships and the People of God, because actually, none of us are called to do this on our own. None of us do life with Jesus, connection to Jesus in isolation. And that's really important, actually. And that's what, because God is building a people group. He wants to build a family, not a biological family, but a new family that's connected through what Jesus has done. And it is this place of welcome to bring people into. So I'm going to talk a little bit about who we're called to be out of this identity series as a church. In chapter 10, 15 to 17, and then a little bit more. Paul says, I speak to sensible people. So do I, Paul. How nice. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Is that... That thing again, isn't it, that's saying, actually, you can do whatever you like, but that's not what you're for. You're not for doing anything you're like. You're for the people around you to love and serve them and look after them. Um, my friend Phil, who uh, helped me with this talk a little bit, reminded me that um, when Jesus left us, he didn't leave us like a statement of faith to say together. He left us a meal to share. And there's something really connective about that, that actually what Jesus wants is for us to eat together and live together and share life together, because that's what he has done for us. He shared his life. And, and that actually means that we're bound together much more firmly maybe than any other type of family or community in the world. We're really closely linked because we all share this thing that 
this God who came down from heaven and died for us connects us forever in this, this kind of new family. For better or worse, you're stuck with each other. Sorry about that. And actually, there's a couple of things from that that Paul wants us to say, and I think they're really helpful to say as we finish this series. One is, don't leave people out. What was happening in Corinth was that Christians were gathering and they were eating this meal that was supposed to remind them of Jesus. And then the rich people would bring like, you know that picnic hamper that rich people have? You ever seen this happen? Where they've got like a sort of, a sort of wicker truck that they've opened up and there's like, there's, there's, cro- there's actual crockery. Um, you know, it looks amazing. By the way, that's, there's jealousy there, isn't there? You can just spot my sin. Um, it's amazing and it's beautiful and there's like there's like there's several courses of picnic and I don't know avocado whatever there's it's a really nice it's a really nice picnic that's what they were or they didn't they were bringing a beautiful spread of food and wine and delicious things and they were sharing that and that was their sort of worship but the poor people okay there's the cool box crew right and then there's the crew who don't have any food at home and who are just having the bread and the wine that's just maybe shared around at the end, just as a, little, as a little memento of Jesus. I don't know how memento of Jesus those people felt leaving church, but I don't think it was what God wanted. And Paul actually talks quite severely to them about that. There, that's not the picture of the meal that we're supposed to share. We're not supposed to leave people out. Our worship services and our church spaces are supposed to reflect the unity and love that Jesus wants us to have in him. So I'd love us to think, where do we do that as a church? Where do we do that even in Birmingham Vineyard Southside? Where do we do that as Christians in the UK? Do we do it with food? Maybe it's shared lunches. Do we do it with relationships? Is it easier to be a Christian and get connected here if you're white or married or straight? Is it easier if you're fairly well off? We don't want that to flavour our church. We want our church to be somewhere that Almost the more awkward you are, or the more like in a minority you are, the more loved you are. That's what we would love, isn't it? Because that's the picture that Jesus has. Now, I don't think I just I don't think we're doing a bad job. Actually, I think we're a really welcoming space. But I do think that for many of us, there's a statistic that says if you've lived somewhere for five years, you probably have all the friends you're going to get, which makes me sad. Um, but actually, I think what that means is that we also need to decide deliberately to step out of that so when we have when we do fun things when we do meals here together or when you just decide you want to do something fun on the weekend can I challenge you to invite people that you don't know that you might not normally know and let's make sure that that's part of what we're known for is that welcome and drawing people in because that's the same rescue mission that we're on isn't it just because they're in this building doesn't mean they're loved enough yet we can do more okay don't leave people out. Also, don't stumble anyone. Okay, I have a cat, so I'm regularly stumbled by someone who has decided to stand in my way. Okay, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, that's just what cats are like. But it shouldn't be what Christians are like. Okay. Paul and Jesus constantly did things on their rescue mission that looked a little bit dangerous. They ate with the people that they weren't supposed to. Jesus got told off for touching and, and loving and talking to women like Catherine shared earlier on, people like that. And, and actually that, that bothered people, um, but sometimes we could use that as a bit of an excuse for doing things that deeply bother our Christian brothers and sisters and even bother our non-Christian friends. Okay, so I've got some non-Christians um, in my life who occasionally, like regularly, they'll have parties and invite me. Sometimes they don't invite me. 
and it's because they were going to do something that they know I wouldn't like. Okay. Um, I won't shame them by telling them what that is. Um, one was a, one was just a, like a um, like a, com a comedian they wanted to go and see, and they were like, "Well, you wouldn't like them because they're really anti-faith and they swear all the time." And I'm like, "Sound great." Love to go and interact with you about that. We'll chat about it afterwards. But they, 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 their sense was, actually, we don't want you there. You're our Christian, and we know kind of what that looks like. And we actually, there's a respect in that, isn't there, that they were doing. So I was like, okay, I'll roll with that. That's completely fine. Another thing that we do here is we don't have any alcohol in our services, and we don't have any, even at Christmas, with mulled wine and things. We decided not to as a site, because we've got some recovering alcoholics who worship here, and we've got some children of unrecovered alcoholics who worship here, and we just said, let's not do that. Let's not mix those spaces of encounter of God and that kind of background. Um, that doesn't mean we don't drink. Many of us do in our private lives. We don't do that just in church a Sunday. So just try not to stumble people. Try not to do things that might make someone else's connection to God come loose a bit. Okay, Even you are free to do it, but it's not always helpful or constructive. So let's be really careful with how we behave around each other. So let's not stumble people. Let's not leave them out. Lastly, earn the right to be heard. So Jesus is really careful to love people before bringing correction to individuals. Not so much to like the powerful or to kind of um, the institutions out there. He's quite happy to denounce them if they need denouncing. But individual people, he's gentle and he takes his time with them before telling them things, okay? And actually, we want to do the same with our people outside church and people in it. We just want to be as caring and loving and get to know people before we, if we feel what we need to bring correction. Essentially, what I mean is that we don't want to be a church where you get told off before you're loved, okay? Or where you get told off by someone who doesn't love you so much that any pain you feel, they'll feel it too. Do you know that feeling? When your best friend sits down with you and asks you, what do you think about this relationship that I'm in? And you're like, now I actually need to say. You can feel that pain together, can't you? But that's a very different thing to what sometimes happens on the internet or in churches as well sometimes. We don't want to do that. We want to be ready to give an answer. We don't want to bang people over the head with stuff. Um, we're running our own race. We're inviting other people in to join it. But we're not forcing our poor couch potato to run 5K tomorrow, okay, spiritually. That's not what we're doing. That's not what Jesus does. God is so caring and walks alongside people slowly. We want to do the same. We want to be a place of honesty and grace. And we want to be a place where people can go on that journey with Jesus in, a real, in real safety. That doesn't mean we never say what we might need saying, but we say it from relationship and friendship and a deep knowledge of that person, okay? Cool. That's not me telling you off, by the way. Sorry, I don't mean this like we're not doing this well. We are, we're a lovely site, but this is what the Bible talks about. And so it's just really good to be reminded. And it's really good just to know lots of us are new, lots of people I'm looking at haven't been here for a long time. So that's, that's just who we want to be. Let's lay a little groundwork there. So just in conclusion, our identity, our relationships and the people of God, what are we for? Chapter 10, 31. Whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether they're Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, says Paul. And I hope 
we can speak along with him to you. So whether we eat or drink, whatever you do with your freedom, okay, whether you marry or you don't, whether you're gay or you're straight, whether you desire romance or you just really don't and it's not part of your story, whether you like to go to nightclubs or book clubs or golf clubs, whether you have a big picnic basket or a little one, whether you're keto or vegan or carnivore, whether you're a hipster or a hobo or just a homo sapiens, if you follow Christ, do it for the glory of God. Let's be examples worth following. Let's be the Bibles and the Gospels that walking about every day that are worth reading. Let's live lives that people look at and say, I want what he's got. What's going on with her? I want some of that. Let's let Christ be our primary identity. Let's hook in really deeply to who he is and let that show through everything that we are. Our first choice, daily and deliberately, can be Jesus. Everything else about me is second. You're first. How would you like me to live for you? I think if we do that, God's going to give us eternal life. He started to give us that anyway. That's in us as our identity. He wants to give us eternal life. He wants to give us relationship with him. He also wants to give us our friends. Okay, That's the reward. That's the crown. Is those people that currently don't know him or are currently really on the fringe or struggling, he wants us to see them stop struggling, connect with him, and come to faith and life and freedom. Amen? That's what I think he wants to do. And that's what we get if we follow him faithfully. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the last word of our passage. I cheekily went into chapter 11, so that was true. Um, Of all the relationships and identities and choices that are offered to you in our century, choose the one that isn't going to fail you. Choose the one that's going to keep giving to you through eternity and that gives you something to give your friends as well. Choose Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.